Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Today starts a new day for us as it relates to some content that we're going to be putting out. So we're going to be doing some longer form video content here on our YouTube channel and taking the audio and putting it on our podcast as well. It's been a, a quite a race, if you will, a run on uh, providing appropriate content, educational content that we feel can help people and trying to get it out in a in a way that's not too taxing on us because I think our time is best spent teaching people in person and in our online membership. So uh, with that said, we want to continue to always offer some free information out on YouTube and, and the podcast and what have you. So we're going to continue to do that. Um, this first one has been on my mind for quite some time. Matter of fact, I've recorded this information for a podcast two or three different times and it just didn't sit right with me, uh, meaning it just I just didn't feel good about it. And and I've rewritten some of the content here that I wanted to provide. And, and I hope that we can get through this and it's useful. And here's what I mean by that. Is that one of the things that I've been discussing with other instructors in our organization, Nature Reliance School, and other instructors in different disciplines outside of outdoor industry uh, type stuff is this idea of lineage and what it means to have teachers that you give credit for and the people that have taught you prior to you obtaining the knowledge that you or I have. And a lot of my mindset on this has come from martial arts background where I studied martial arts and trained in martial arts and, and a lineage, if you will, the teachers that came before me in that discipline, that meant a lot. And it was often discussed in that circle of people a lot. And I've always had that mindset as it relates to nature of school and the people that have trained me, I've just never spent much time talking about an in-depth look at lineage. And here's where part of this came from. Uh, many years ago, I was studying martial arts, particularly judo and Aikido and Iidoist, three different Japanese based Budo, if you will. And I read a book on Aikido, the martial art of Aikido called, I think it's called Holding the Center. I didn't look this up before I got on here, but I think it's called Holding the Center. And 
one of the chapters, and it might even be the first chapter, starts out with a group of people that have come together for a, some sort of conference. It's like a leadership conference or something of that nature. And they're doing an introduction of themselves and they get up and they say, for example, Hey, I'm Craig Cottle, director of nature blind school. And, uh, we teach survival and land navigation and tracking and stuff like that. And people were doing that. And then they were sitting down and about five or six people into this, this native American gentleman stood up and he gave his lineage, his parents, his grandparents, his great grandparents for about four or five generations back and told about them. And then he stated to the group, Hey, if I don't know your lineage and I don't know where you've come from, that I don't know you. I think I locked up there. I would appreciate it if you would at least recognize your lineage so that I can get to know you better and share some of that information. And people did in this particular conference. And this is not necessarily out of the ordinary for me as a, as a Christian, for example, you know, if, if you read scripture very much in the Christian scripture, then you'll see that there's several different places where the lineage of different people is listed sometimes odd nauseam, if you will, forgive me for being Frank, uh, where it just lists family and family and family and family and family down. And there's a reason for that. Uh, for those that are unfamiliar, there's a lot of reasons for that that are not important for me to get into here, but lineage is a big thing uh, in that discipline. You know, I've also sat and did meditation with Zen Buddhist and there's a lot of things that you do there where you recite your lineage all the way back to the person who founded the particular style of meditation that you might be practicing at the time or the, the different aspects of that discipline, if you will. And so, you know, discipline, um, different disciplines have a focus on lineage and some just don't. And I look and I see people that are not giving credit to the people that taught them as it relates to survival, um, you know, people don't, it's, it's been pretty common that people will read something in a book, for example, make a YouTube video on it. They're really good as a videographer or whatever. And wow, whiz bang, they're an influencer. And now people are listening to them and they probably shouldn't because the person doesn't have a background where they can actually educate others. So what I thought I would do is go over some of the things as it relates to lineage. Uh, I'm not discrediting those people that don't know their own backstory as a family. You know, I, I think of people that were raised in foster homes or orphanages or something like that because they don't know their family history. Does that mean that they don't have value? No, absolutely not. That's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is for those of us who have a background uh, that have a lineage in different disciplines and the things that we do, it would probably be worthy of our effort to share that type of information with other people. One martial arts, I guess, grandfather of mine said that it's the lone, it's a very lonely place to be that of a teacher of an instructor. Uh, and I've actually tasted the fruit of that loneliness often where, you know, in a position where you're the man, if you will, it can be very lonely in many ways. And it seems odd to people to hear that for those that are in that position to feel lonely when we're surrounded by a lot of people. And one of the things that helped me understand myself better as an instructor 
is to always give credit where credit is due as it relates to my background and my lineage. So, you know, that's what I wanted to do today in this particular video cast and this podcast. And that's where, where we'll take it from here. So, you know, there's a lot of things uh, that evolve over time. I think about primitive skills, for example, versus modern skills. Uh, there's a lot of things. Well, let's just talk about fire building as an example. Fire building has greatly evolved and improved upon in many ways as it's related to outdoor fire building, for example. You know, there's a big difference between a hand drill fire or a fire plow or something of that nature compared to just using a big lighter. And so I think it's important that we recognize, particularly if we're going to do skills that are old, primitive skills, for example, we probably learned that from someone who's put a lot of research into it, not somebody that just mimics somebody on social media, but rather, you know, somebody that's dedicated their lives or their way of teaching and doing things to different teachers. I think there's incredible value in that so that there is a retention of certain skill sets so that we don't lose those to history. Uh, now, not everything is like that. I mean, again, I'm I'm a big fan of carrying a big lighter, even though I may have studied with people in a long line of teachers that taught me how to do bow drill or hand drill or whatever. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying that if you're going to be teaching things from a historical perspective, then understanding the lineage of it and where it comes from is important. And just case in point, since I'm talking about fire, is this, is that a lot of people see bow drill fire making and just see it as a thing to do rather than understanding that there's just a lot of places, particularly here in the United States, that you know Native American people never used bow drill. They used hand drill. They just never did a bow drill. And so understanding where those things occurred may help you become better at primitive skills, for example, and a lot of that will come from a lineage. So um, one of the ways that I got attached to this idea of lineage is tracking. I, I've dedicated... I won't say I've dedicated my life because I haven't, but I've put a tremendous amount of effort into becoming a better tracker and to be a better teacher of things related to tracking. And so I come from, you know, a long ancient line of trackers. We all do. We've all come from a long line of trackers. Uh, I say this often, but the best trackers that I've ever read about, um, for example, Apache, uh, Apache warriors, frontiersmen like Simon Kenton and Daniel Boone, those guys never went to Nature Reliance School to learn how to track. They never went to any tracking school to learn how to track. And that's why I often say the best way to learn how to track is to track. But there's certain things that I do because I was taught by different tracking instructors. And understanding that, I think, is a pretty critical aspect of being able to teach others so they know what their background is and stuff of that, uh, of that nature. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description 
now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. So as as it relates to my personal history and lineage, I grew up here in Kentucky. I've lived in Kentucky my entire life. I, I grew up near farmland. When I grew up, I was living on a street called Caudill Drive. It was basically the the road that I lived on, the, the dead-end street that I lived on, was the former uh, farm driveway into the family farm. And so when my grandparents had four boys, then they spread out on this road and built homes and and then the farming aspect of their lives went away and land was sold and they no longer farmed there and other farms were bought and stuff of that nature. But that's where I grew up. I, I grew up near farmland where the field in front of my house is still, well, it's not now, but in, in recent history, it it's become something else. But when I was a child, it was open farmland and I would spend just all kinds of time playing in creeks and fields and climbing trees and all that sort of thing. And one of the things that was a central portion to the way that I grew up was hunting. Uh, my dad was an avid hunter. He took me, I rather enjoyed hunting. Uh, I've, I still enjoy doing a lot of hunting, both small game and large game. And so that has been a big part of the development and my lineage, if you will, is learning how to hunt from my dad. Uh, there were things there that were learned about the ethics of a harvest. You know, you don't, you take sensible shots. You don't take wild shots. Um, you're, you have good marksmanship, whether you're shooting a bow or a rifle or a shotgun or whatever it is at whatever animal you're going to take. And so those are things that were ingrained in me in a very early age, uh, that you just didn't fool around with. Um, now my dad is what I would consider a pretty prideful person. And I wouldn't say that I am, I have some personal ill feelings about this idea of pride, but Back then, uh, I took a lot of pride in, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, one shot, one kill. You know, I, I, I wanted to obtain a legal limit of doves out of a box of shells. And I wanted to, if I was going to shoot two deer in a season, I wanted to shoot two times. And if I wanted to shoot six squirrels, I wanted to shoot six times. And that was the kind of ethics and, and way of looking at shot placement and stuff of that nature. And that bled over into a lot of different things, not saying that I kill a lot of things anymore, but at the point, just a respect for life. And if you're going to take life, you take it very seriously. It's not something you play around with. And so there's been challenges for me passing that on to my kids. My, my daughter had really no interest in hunting. Uh, that was something that just seemed foreign to her and she didn't want to do. And I respected that about her and my son, uh, he's done some hunting with me, but he just doesn't enjoy it as much as I do. And so, uh, although I think, you know, I, I've made some steps necessary to teach a bunch of people how to hunt and try to help them. Um, part of the reason is that I feel it's very important that that is secured for history and continues on. And so even though my own children, are people that just didn't take an interest in it, then I'm going to do what I can to help others be able to do that as well. So moving on in some of the things, I had some great teachers when I went to, I didn't have what I've considered great teachers going through primary school up to 12th grade. I had some good teachers, but not great, not exceptional. I had some exceptional teachers when I went to University of Kentucky. Um, and one of the teachers there was, was my first statistics professor. 
the second teacher that I would say was an exceptional instructor was my second statistics. I have a degree in statistics, but I have trouble saying the word. But uh, one of the things that these two guys were very good at their craft and they made me want to study statistics. And I, I took that to heart uh, from a teacher's perspective is recognizing those that know how to teach even outside of the things that, that I may not have interest in. Even today, I, I look at people that are really good at their job as an instructor, as a teacher, as a professor, and wonder, you know, what do they do that makes them better? And so I've been studying the art of teaching, you know, since I was in my early 20s and I'm now 50 plus. So I also had an instructor, and I love telling the story about one, my Kentucky history professor, Dr. Kleber. Dr. Kleber was my Kentucky history professor. I think it was my sophomore year at UK, University of Kentucky. And when he went through the role on day one, he said, okay, when I call your name out, if you're from Kentucky, please, if you don't care, tell me where you're from. And so, you know, I, he said my name. I said, I'm from Winchester, Kentucky. And he said, oh, okay, so you're the Coddles that had um, bluegrass implement." your family did this, your family did that. And then he told me about two or three generations back of what my family had done in Kentucky history. And he not only did that for me, he did that for every Kentuckian in his class. So because of that, that in my mind is an exceptional professor. That is somebody that really knows how to, how to say without saying, Hey, I'm a great teacher and I know my subject matter. He made that abundantly clear in a very fun and, 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 and I don't know if I want to say entertaining, but he definitely connected with us. And so I respected him and I learned a lot in that class. Now, as it relates outside of, you know, my dad, he continuing on my education beyond what I did at UK as well. Dad taught me how to farm and he taught me how to garden. He was my coach in several of my baseball teams and uh, all-star teams and in, in, in other teams. And so um, he taught me a lot as it relates to – he was a baseball player when he's in school, and he never forced me to, but I'm sure he kind of guided me in that direction. Uh, but he also – one of the things, the best things that my dad did for me as it relates to me in the outdoors is that uh, opening day of squirrel season happened on a Saturday every year in August. And he and I grew – I grew up, he and I going squirrel hunting on the opening day of squirrel season every year. And one year we had a football practice. I played baseball all the way through high school, but we had a football practice and I was on the football team too. And the, uh, I couldn't go, because I couldn't go to our annual, you know, squirrel hunt. And so he took my cousin and my, he and my cousin killed their limit squirrels, which was a problem for me. And I quit football practice the next day. Uh, I just, I just, I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to miss being in the woods anymore for football. I was terrible at it anyway. I was going to sit the bench and I knew it. I was not good at the skill of football. Um, so, uh, that, I don't think that really hurt the coach's feelings either, but I also had an uncle, my uncle Jimmy, who passed away a couple of years ago now, and he did a lot of reenacting. He's the one that got me started in leather work. I've made pouches and knife sheaths and I've built knives and, and, um, I've now built my first flintlock rifle and, and Jimmy was, although my dad is the one that taught me a lot of black powder shooting and he always had these things, he, he never dabbled in, in making them. And so my uncle Jimmy, Jimmy is the one that got me started in making a lot of period correct, uh, type stuff. And so, uh, that is 
is a, a big part of who it is that I am and what I've done in the past. So it's getting darker here. So I'm going to turn the line on. So it, my mother, as it relates to uh, further family development, my mother primarily raised me. My dad had a, a job away from home. And so she's the one that did most of the raising of me and, and, um, keep me alive when I did a whole lot of stuff that probably could have put me hurt or injured or dead. And, uh, I, I learned a lot of through osmosis through my mother. And so it was, that was the upbringing I had in a lot of different ways. I was very fortunate for me that I had a mom and dad at home and, uh, my dad worked and my mom stayed at home. I was very fortunate that I did have that. And so that has been pretty instrumental in who it is that I am. And that's for certain. Now, beyond that, as, as it relates to spiritual instructors, I've had a couple of people that are just in-depth up in my head as it relates to my spiritual development. Uh, again, I mentioned I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian my entire life, um, more active at different times in my life than others as far as being in the church, uh, church building and being around other people. I've always been active in my own head and my own reading and study. Um, that's not changed since I became a Christian, but, uh, rich, uh, brother Ed Davis was my pastor at my church that I grew up in. And it was a pretty regular thing when I was in high school for me to stay after church and hang out with him and study with him. Uh, it was definitely our, our, um, our practice when I went away to college for him. Well, before I went away to college, he directed me on what to expect when I went to college uh, how to overcome some of the typical, typical trappings. I didn't, I fell victim to some of those trappings and, um, and didn't follow his advice, but it was still a regular thing that we would get together on a weekly basis and discuss the faith, um, the books. I mean, he recommended so many different books to me outside of scripture. And obviously he taught me how to study scripture. And so that was absolutely instrumental into my development in my faith as a, as a believer in Christ. Um, beyond that, um, one of the books that he recommended was celebration of discipline and, and another one, freedom of simplicity by Richard Foster. Uh, Richard Foster is a fantastic author. He was an evangelical Quaker. He wrote some books on simple life. And if you ask my family, they'll tell you that I used to drive them crazy when I was first reading those books, because those books would put a person I'm a big fan of them. I haven't read them in a while. Uh, those would put people into a real near um, poverty stricken state and be okay with it, which quite frankly, I'm very thankful for because I've never been a wealthy person, but those books taught me the value of being free uh, with simplicity and having a simple life and Discipline, uh, meaning the celebration of discipline was this book that's just been an absolute critical part of the development of me. So though those those men, uh, Ed Davis and Richard Foster, I went to a course with him too. He taught me a lot about developing groups and teaching people um, and from a Christian perspective, but it, but the the techniques and the and the usefulness of what we did there was applicable in any different things, just how to communicate effectively with people, how to let people know that they're cared about, how to communicate with people in such a way that you don't let them run rampant and do things they shouldn't be doing. But at the same time, you're not overbearing and stuff of that, that nature. But anyway, those two guys were pretty instrumental at 
of me as a leader um, in, in what it is that I do now even. So beyond that, I've had some really good martial arts instructors. Uh, the first was Ben Van Arsdale. Uh, ben Van Arsdale uh, was my first martial arts instructor. He trained me in judo. He was a Marine and he never took a penny for teaching martial arts. He just loved, <laughs> he just loved throwing people. And, and I love getting thrown by him and learning from him. That's for sure. Uh, he was an old grizzled Marine. He very, he died a very young age. He had lived a, what I would consider a hard life in a, in a mental and physical perspective. And he, and he died way too young, but, uh, I learned a lot from him as it relates to developing martial arts prowess and, and defense of myself and the defense of others. Uh, I had another instructor after him. That's probably been one of the worst influences I've ever had in my life uh, in a negative sense. And, and I've said this numerous times, but because I had so many negative influences from him, he taught me how not to be. And so to a degree, there's a certain amount of that, uh, a benefit that I've grown as a person from how ridiculously problematic he was inter being interjected in my life. I chose to, to study with him. It was my choice. There's no doubt studying under him was was the time studying on him was good the things he eventually did to me and, and i'm not talking about sexual or physical abuse well I, I shouldn't say physical abuse he he's i've got injuries due to him because he didn't really know what he was doing and i thought he did um so with that said uh, i learned a whole lot of how not to be and i think that's pretty instrumental is that you can see people that might be charismatic and very good at what they do as it relates to social skills but they may not be the best person that you want to lead or, or be led by or follow beyond that. Um, Mr. Keith Moore, um, most appropriately known now as Mado Moore, who runs a Zen monastery in Wisconsin. He was my Aikido teacher. Uh, he was incredibly instrumental in my background of martial arts training and making me a much, much better martial artist. Uh, he was a fantastic, uh, fantastic martial art. He still is a fantastic martial arts instructor. And so he was very instrumental in developing me and my physical self as it relates to being in martial arts. And quite frankly, in a lot of different disciplines, as it relates to, you know, I studied breathing and, and meditation with him from the perspective of the way he teaches it. And he's very good at that. I didn't take that path for me uh, to follow into Zen Buddhism. It just, there's a lot of things that I love about it, but it was obvious that to follow that path, you need to dig in all in. And it's a very, very, very hard discipline. And it just wasn't for me. Um, it just wasn't for me. Although I greatly appreciate everything he taught me about it. And, uh, it, you know, there is no, the way, the way I learned there and the way I learned from Ed Davis, brother Ed Davis, there was really no, ever no conflict of interest there for me in my perspective. I could be wrong on that, but there was never any conflict of interest. Now for most of you here that have been following me um, as the director of nature Blind school, I'm going to get into the meat and potatoes of the people that have taught me about the outdoors um, because that's, that's why we're here. But I didn't want to forego these other teachers that I've mentioned because who I am is based upon a lot of what they taught me. 
um, not just the physical skills of being in the outdoors, but who I am as a person and as an instructor, as a practitioner of different skills and stuff of that nature. And so um, we're going to get into some of the outdoor instructors now. So I've had some formal ones. I've had some very informal ones as well. And I'll try to mention as many of them that I can. Uh, Doug Meyer and Johnny Faulkner have been the guys that have taught me primitive skills. I've probably trained with both of those guys equally. Um, Johnny is, was an archaeologist for the Danube National Forest. Uh, Doug Meyer from North Carolina. I think his degree is in, in anthropology, and he is an absolute machine when it comes to primitive skills development and, and teaching other people how to do primitive skills. He's just absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, both of these guys are, uh, both of them have been incredibly open to, uh, answering any question that I had and helping me become better as a primitive technologist. And I'm not a very good primitive technologist at all. Um, not because of their, uh, lack of instruction, but because of my lack of ability to focus my attention on it. Now, one of the first guys that taught me things outside of my family as it relates to the outdoors was Tad Norris. Um, Tad Norris was a division of Kentucky division of forestry, uh, Forrester. And the property that I had at the time when he and I were working together, he was a uh, private lands forester. Well, he did a lot of things as it relates to forestry, but there was a program that was a cooperative effort between the division of forestry and the Kentucky department of fish and wildlife called the private lands, wildlife, whatever. Anyway, these, you would get a forester and you would get a biologist that would come together and they would look at your land and give you a plan on how to development for how to develop it for wildlife. And I, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you how much I learned from Tad and the other guys I'm going to mention here. But uh, Tad was the guy that got me started understanding trees. For those of you who know me now and know how, how much of a freak I am about trees, then Tad is the guy who got me started. I'm, I'm fairly certain he's retired from the division now, but uh, he was just a really young forester at that time, but he was really good. He taught me so much about forest ecology more than anything else, rather than actual uh, individual species identification. Uh, he taught me so much about how to lay out land and how to, how to put it in a position where it's beneficial to wildlife. The, the guys that I worked with in concert with him were Bill Lynch and Joe Lacefield. Uh, I've interviewed Joe for the podcast here. Uh, both of those were, at the time, private lands wildlife biologists, and they were the biology side of this cooperative effort that I told you about. And so they're the ones that showed me how to build nesting boxes and and taught me about building nesting structures on the ground and in different ways that I could harvest timber on my property and how to leave standing timber and, and make sure it provides cavity holes for wildlife and on and on and on. There was just so much stuff that they taught me. It was, it was fantastic. And they've been very instrumental in that. Now, Dr. Jeff Stringer, he put together a wildlife habitat. I don't know a course if, is the best word, but there was a manual and I don't remember the details of me going through this. Quite frankly, it's been so long ago, but I'm, I'm sure it was either Joe or Bill that got me connected with him. Uh, and it might've been Tad, I don't know, but one of those guys got me connected with Jeff Stringer and I have a huge manual on wildlife habitat improvement and it's got all kinds of things in it related to everything related from tracks to, 
you know, how to read tracks and know uh, wildlife corridors and, and how to read all that in a forest environment. And so you can imagine from a survivalist perspective, this is just information that's just incredible. You got a guy that's got a PhD in, in wildlife. I mean, that's, that's worth so much. Uh, now the, the guy that I should say in many respects changed my life uh, for the better was Richard Cleveland. Richard Cleveland runs a school called earth school. And I'm fairly certain he's still down in North Carolina at the time that I was training with him, he was in North Carolina. Um, so he was a student of the Tom Brown school and he informed me a whole lot about some of the good and the bad about the, about the Tom Brown tracker school and stuff of that nature. Um, Richard's a pretty inspirational type instructor. Uh, he's a very different type of instructor than I am, but he was very inspirational and he taught me a lot, uh, taught me a whole lot. And so I, I'm just incredibly thankful. He, he basically lit a spark in me, the first class I took with him that put me on the path of director of nature reliance school. I can't even begin to, to, to explain how inspirational he was. Now, again, I don't run my school the way he runs. He is very different, but the things that he did got me fired up about being in the outdoors and helping people. Uh, Tom Laskowski, who runs the Midwest Native Skills Institute, he and Richard teamed up and taught a tracking course, one of the first formal tracking courses. I've been tracking my entire life, but this is the first time I'd ever studied tracking formally. And so they taught me a considerable amount on how to track, how to teach tracking, how to share tracking skills with other people. Um, they were just fantastic at doing that. And beyond that, I've had numerous University of Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife, Kentucky Division of Forestry leaders and teachers and associates in those areas of the, of, of the outdoors that have taught me both through email and Zoom calls and Zoom meetings and Zoom classes and, and so on and so forth. Uh, specifically, uh, some other things that I'll mention that will come up later. Um, now, as it comes to tracking, I've had some really good tracking instructors, and I want to mention all of them. So Joe Kellum was the first guy that I ever trained with in tracking in a formal sense. He taught a very brief program of instruction at a, a Pathfinder gathering that I went to. And I'm talking it was maybe an hour. I don't even know if it was that long. But it was a lot of the similar stuff that I'd seen at Earth School. Uh, so, there, you know, that kind of put me on the path of seeing, okay, there's a formal way of teaching people as it relates to tracking and something, you know, one of the things that I've seen is if this piece here is true in several different schools, then that's probably important information that I should pay attention to. And so he was the first guy that I studied with. Secondly, I went and studied at tier group down in Louisiana with John Hearth. John Hearth was a fantastic instructor, former special forces. Uh, he runs tier group. He teaches small unit tactics and, and tracking, uh, land navigation, some survival things down there. I found John to be a very engaging tracker uh, or a very engaging instructor. Uh, Lad Turner was an instructor that was helping him down there. Lad and I are still friends after that class. Lad's a great guy. Uh, he was a fantastic instructor, assistant instructor in that class. Um, beyond that, uh, Mike Hull, um, Hull's Tracking Services out of Virginia, is probably the, the next one, him and Corn. Uh, Cornelius Nash that I'll mention in just a minute are much like Richard Cleveland. Those guys absolutely put me on a path of being a tracking instructor in a way that nobody else has. Um, 
Mike Hull has just been so absolutely open and, and free with information on helping me develop as a tracker, uh, helping me develop the way that I teach tracking. Cornelius is an absolute critical professional in what it is that I do and how I do things. I went through, through some certification program. I don't know if it's certain. It's not really certification programs. You have certificate of completion programs with those guys, several different courses. Uh, and so, and that's all listed in my biography. I'll list it here in, in the links, but those guys were absolutely critical in my development, both as a professional and how to guide and direct classes. We've taught some classes together. Um, and we've taught some really high speed people together and, um, uh, it's just been life-changing really. Um, Mike has, uh, I've been involved in helping Mike teach courses to more groups probably than corn. Um, but corn, um, corn came from West point and, and, um, he'd served on some, ta- some really important task forces in the United States military. And those two guys themselves where, where corn is real professional and polished West point, Mike is laid back spitting tobacco, chewing tobacco kind of guy that, you know, both of those guys have absolutely, uh, just as well, more so actually than Richard Cleveland have developed me as a professional instructor. And so I can't thank them enough. Uh, after that, you know, the UK master naturalist program, I went through master naturalist training and trained with several different people that teach others as it relates to geology and soil and trees and herbaceous plants and stuff of that nature. I mean, it's just a pretty extensive program. I highly recommend it to anybody. I'm now fortunate enough to be considered an instructor of part of that program. I've taught some safety programming, safety and survival programming for the master naturalist program. Uh, I've been absolutely blown away that, that after being a student in the program, they asked me to come on and be a teacher as well. Um, and so I say that because I've watched how they teach. And so I've learned a lot from, there's so many teachers. I can't mention them all, uh, some really good teachers there, uh, right now, um, Dr. Crocker and Laurie Thomas are leading that program. And those two ladies have been fantastic to work with. Um, part of the program that I learned was herbaceous plants. And I met Eric Comley in person there. Eric Comley is now one of the instructor cadre at Nature Reliance School, but he's also a Garrett County um, extension agent for youth development. And, but he taught herbaceous plants and master naturalist. And I've never seen anybody affect me as much with plant knowledge as Eric Comley. He's been absolutely critically important to my development as someone who understands plants and, you know, herbaceous plants, green stem plants, as well as woody stem. I, I actually, today, as I'm recording this, I sent him a que- a video question. I was seeing some things in the woods and I had never seen it before. And I thought, I don't know what this is. So I'll send it to Eric. Eric sent it. He, he didn't know off the top of my head, off the top of his head, but he knew where to look and he looked and came up with an answer for me. And that can't thank him enough for the things that he's done for me. Um, beyond that, the, one obvious person in my life that's been a great trainer of me is Tracy Trimble. Uh, Tracy has, Tracy and I have been in the woods together. We've been on the martial arts mats together. Um, I've learned a lot as a professional person, how to be a better friend, how to be a better professional teacher and guide and, and stuff of that nature from Tracy. He's, he's very good at a lot of things and he's taught me a lot. He's not overtly more so in osmosis and watching him just because I respect him so much. 
um, and and by my respect of him, I've watched how he dealt with people and uh, learned a lot on how to handle myself by watching the him and the way he does things. So can't thank him enough as a friend, as a as a co-teacher uh, of things at NRS and all the good gravy. <laughs> the dozens of things that he and I have done where we've beat each other up on the mats. I mean, literally smacked each other around and choked each other out and then slept in places that we shouldn't have been sleeping in out in the middle of the woods, freezing and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's been a wild adventure with Tracy and I've learned a lot from him. Now, without a doubt, I've got to share some of the more life-changing books that I've read uh, and how I went about reading them and studying them and stuff of that nature, because they've been part of who it is. And that is my lineage. Um, the first one would be the Bible, the Christian Bible. Um, when, after I got out of school at the university of Kentucky, I went to work in healthcare for two years. And immediately following that, I went to work for a natural gas utility and <clears throat> I worked a job where I worked a lot of night shift and basically watching a pipeline to make sure everybody got stayed in gas and, and the pipeline didn't blow up was basically my job. And so there was a lot of time where monitoring a pipeline is just sitting there waiting and watching. And I would spend hours and hours reading my Bible while I was doing that. And I learned so much about myself and about faith, stuff of that nature. So that's obviously, I mentioned celebration of discipline earlier, freedom of simplicity. Those books have been life-changing for me. Another book, some friends of mine gave me when I was in my early twenties, one book in particular, Into the Wild by John Krakauer. Krakauer is one of the better writers I've ever read. He's a fantastic writer, but the story of Alexander Supertramp uh, Christopher McCandless, who died in a bus in Alaska. A lot of people saw the movie or read the book. Uh, when I first read that book, I was a rather idealistic young person, and I thought that was really cool, and I liked what happened. The older I've gotten, I realized how idiotic that he was and how self-centered and narcissistic he was. And, and it, it's that book has been an interesting guide for me because my life has changed by reading it, at different stages in my life in very different ways. And so that book's uh, a good, a good one. There's a book called Aikido in everyday life. I've mentioned I was an Aikido practitioner, what we call an Aikidoka. And there was a book called Aikido in everyday life where the author Terry Dobson wrote about the physical act of Aikido and how you can utilize it in your everyday language and personal interactions with others. And that book is probably life-changing. Uh, it, it was life-changing for me because it was the first time that I went outside, was a very analytical, um, probably introverted person upon reading that book. And after reading that book, book, I was more extroverted. I, I won't say I was an extroverted person. I'm still an introvert, but I became more cognizant of my interpersonal communications and relationships with people. And it wasn't that I learned how to manipulate people. I'm not saying that, but I did learn how to communicate effectively. And that was absolutely life-changing book for me. Uh, if you're not an Aikido person, you, you won't like it. But if, if you like Aikido or martial arts and you can see the interpersonal communications and connections there, that's really uh, valuable. Uh, the next book is The Obstacle is the Way. Um, I won't say I'm a stoic. Uh, I've been guilty and been um, told that I was a stoic and the way that I, the way that, that I communicate sometimes with people with just a blank stare. Uh, some of my methods and ways of doing things are rather stoic. Some people have said, 
uh, I don't study stoic stoicism for the purpose of being a stoic, but I do like a lot of the things that come out of it. The obstacle is a way is one of those books that really helped me understand that some of the things that are very natural to me, um, people used to study. And, and again, I guess that's why I liked it is that there's some things that I read about in stoicism. I thought, Ooh, that really sounds like me. That's how I think what they're saying is how I think. So that was pretty interesting. The last book and the last thing I'm going to mention has been a, a book that I've read more in the last year than any other book. And it's a book called the lion trackers guide to life. Now, uh, Boyd Vardy is the author of that book. Um, it was another one that was recommended to me by the, uh, one of the members of the instructor cadre at nature Blount school. Um, he had recommended it to me, Wayne Elliott is his name. He had recommended it to me probably a year or two prior to me reading it the first time. And I thought, you know, I'm finally, he kept asking me if I'd read it and it was kind of getting on my nerves. <laughs> so, um, I was going on a trip down to Georgia to Georgia bushcraft. And I thought, well, I'll just get that on audible and I'll listen to it on the way down there. I listened to it on the way down there. I listened to it on the way back. I've listened to it several times since then. I bought the, I bought the, uh, physical book. I've read it in, in the physical sense and I've listened to it multiple times. I've read it multiple times. It's just a life-changing book for me. It applies tracking to life. Um, so those are the books that have been life-changing that have really developed me as a person, as an instructor. And, uh, and again, my purpose here was to not pretend that I'm the person that's come up with everything that I teach, but to actually point to what I call the giants that I stand on their shoulders of. These are people, and I'm sure I've missed some people too, but this gives us a good start into understanding who it is that I am as an instructor. And I'm not doing this because I think a lot of people are going to find this incredibly important information in your life. But what I do want to do is I want to give credit where credit is due. And I've been developed by some fantastic family and friends and great instructors. And I don't want to dismiss them. I don't want them to, I don't want to pretend that I'm not the conglomerate of all these people that have made me who I am along with my own hard work and dedicated uh, focus on developing myself as a person. I've got a long way to go. You all, um, I've got a long way to develop into person that I would like to see myself be, but I know that without these guys and gals that I've mentioned here, um, you know, and I haven't mentioned my family, my wife in particular, but Jennifer's been so instrumental, but that's more of a thing between me and her than, than a public forum of this nature. But, but, um, as it relates to all of this, I just can't thank these people enough for developing me as the instructor that I am as the director of nature Reliant school. And I would love to have you join us in a class so that you can come and gain benefit from these giants that have taught me that I have taken that information, coupled it with my own experience, and I can pass it on to you as best that I can. There's literally, if we were to put all these people together um, that have trained me, you know, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of years of experience here that have made me who I am. Uh, not just me. And I'm very thankful for them. And I want to pass that on to everybody that I possibly can. So thank you for listening. If you have any questions, then please put them in wherever you see this video. And I'll be happy to share as much information with you as I can about my teachers and, and the people and the books that have developed me. Thanks for listening. Come on, join in. Let's learn together. 
And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Blinds podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Blind School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.